Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. With yours truly, Preston and Sadie Keller. This episode was recorded with Aaron Anderson. He, along with his wife Tiffany and son Grant, are UPCI missionaries to Brazil. We love the Andersons, don't we? They're the best. Some of our greatest friends. And Aaron invited me to speak to the youth workers and pastors of Brazil via Skype a few months ago, where we covered a lot of essential youth ministry principles. Shall we dive in? Let's do it. Here's Youth Ministry Principles, Part 1, with Preston Keller and Aaron Anderson. So glad I'm here with you, my great friend. You've been involved in youth ministry for a long time now, and you have the Rush Podcast and Rush Youth Event, and these things have been blessing so many youth ministries and youth pastors and pastors around our movement. So, yeah, welcome. Man, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. We love our Brazilian church family. And the Andersons. Oh, man. Well, I just want to launch right into it. Uh, You know, on a local level, why is it important to invest in young people? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a a great question. And uh, it's it's the question of why youth ministry exists in 2020. And um, my mind, uh, if, if we're looking at why is it important to invest in young people in the local church, um, Let's go back to the beginning real quick, back to Acts 2, uh, day of Pentecost, the church is born. The people the people ask, what, was, what must we do to be saved, right? And Peter tells them what to do, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then Peter tells them who this promise is for, right? He tells them what to do and then who it's for, who has access to this. In short... That promise is for everyone, right? So, yeah. so this church is here to serve you. This promise is for you, your children, and all, and to all who are far off. So that word "all" tells me that the church is meant to be multi-ethnic, multi-economic status, and in our case here for youth ministry, multi-generational. Right, the church is meant to be multi-generation. So, the church exists to serve all. Now, our question is, why is it important to invest in in young people uh, on a cognitive level? Cognitively, we learn different ways in different stages uh, and at yeah. at different yeah. ages. So, it's important uh, to, in my opinion, to offer biblical teaching. Um, on different learning levels, right, uh, w- within the local church. So so I will say um, there's a reason that our school systems break up academic learning in different stages the way that they do. I'm not exactly sure how uh, Brazil um, yeah. Yeah. stages yeah, yeah. that out. Uh, is it Same. is it similar? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, very smart people set that system up. Much smarter than I, uh, but but there's a reason that that we've got um, you know school system for kids at elementary school, and then you know it's a probably a, a good idea in the realm of learning to mimic that, mirror that in the church. So we've got elementary school, we've got Sunday school classes with kids ministry, um, we've got middle school and high school in the school system. Uh, so, in my opinion, we need to have a youth ministry that that 
um, has biblical teaching on that same learning level. We've got university. Uh, we, we probably need a young adult or college age uh, ministry. Yeah. So, um, good. just good. on a just on a learning level, um, I, I think it's it's if the church is meant to serve all, um, in 2020, let's let's do our best. I would say let's do our best to serve all, but on the learning level that each age and each stage of life um, can best learn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so. Even to uh, to to keep going in this track for this yeah, question, yeah. Uh, this yeah, might be true. this might be my most uh, information for for our talking points today. But uh, let's go let's go back to the beginning real quick. I, I learned the following age brackets um, from a veteran youth worker. Uh, these ages um, vary somewhat uh, with certain opinions, different psychologists, stuff like that. But it was really helpful for me, and I think it will help some pastors or youth pastors. Absolutely. Um, so it's broken down like this. Ages 0 to 3 uh, is the age of discovery. Okay? The, the kids, the toddlers, they're, uh, they're sticking everything in their mouth, right? Uh, they're trying to figure things out. They're... they're uh, they're going to learn that lesson that the stovetop is is really hot, and they only have to learn that lesson once, right? It's right. it's age right. of discovery. Uh, it just and takes we're that be one discovering the age of discovery here in a little bit. <laughs> Lord help yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, age of discovery. Uh, that's also when we start asking that question that we ask over and over again: Why? Why? Daddy, why? Mom, why? 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 At ages about two to five, we're asking why. So zero to three, age of discovery. Um, <clears throat> ages four to seven, approximately, is an age of testing. So let the questions and tests of authority begin, right? It's it's a fast-paced world of me and mine, mine, mine. Wait, you think you're in charge? No, no, no. I'm the big, bad six-year-old. I'll take it from here, right? I've got this thing figured out. Yeah. Um, so age of discovery, age of testing. Then you've got your eight to ten-year-olds approximately. It's the age of concluding. Okay? Mm. Pre-teens and eight to ten are some of the most concluded people on the face of the earth. <laughs> They've got everything figured out. The way that their brain is wired at that age, everything they see is black and white, yeah. right or wrong. They might have everything absolutely wrong, but they think yeah. <laughs> that they have it all figured out and it's all black and white. Yeah. Okay? So discovery, testing, concluding. Awesome. That's for our that's for our kids. But here's where this uh, here's where this affects us in youth ministry. Yeah. Puberty begins, yeah. and it erodes all of that. Yeah. So now yeah. we step into our our youth age, and ages about eleven to fourteen, your middle schoolers, we begin that age of discovery again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the black and white thinking of that that. For sure, I've got the world figured out. Ten and eleven year old, wow. that concrete thinking, 
is gone. So our junior hires, age of discovery again, it's it's more it's back to an abstract thinking. I'm figuring things out. Um, and then and then we hop into the 15 to 20 year old age range. We're back to that age of testing. So this repeats. It's it's a why do some of our school teachers and principals deal with the high schoolers with these humongous attitudes, right? It's right. a testing yeah. of authority of adults. They give their bosses at McDonald's or whatever it is a bunch of trouble, you know, attitude. Their yeah. parents, yeah. W- whatever it is. Um, I want to drive the car. Um, I want to hang out with my friends alone, not with my little sister right. or brother <laughs> with me, not yeah. with. Hey, Dad, please drop me off for school like a block away. You're embarrassing me, right? Yeah. Uh, so so that age of testing, and then finally, kind of in your 20s up to age 30, you're at that age of concluding again. And whatever belief system you kind of decide on in your 20s, they say mm. will most likely stay with you for the rest of your life. And yeah. it's kind of back to black and white. Um, and so – Kind of coupling, I guess I present a two-part answer to our leaders today. Um, the church is for all. It's for you and your children and to all who are afar off. The church is here to serve everyone, yeah. every yeah. generation. And now in the year 2020, you know, we've got all these subgroups of what people, stages that people go through in their learning. It's different than it was back in Bible times or ancient times sure. when, you know, you're going straight from boyhood to manhood. Yeah. You know, once you're once you're 12 or once you, you know, hit that puberty age, stage, whatever it is, you're going from boy to man. It's over. There were no youth groups in the Bible. Right. There, there weren't. Uh, but today, uh, we will do, um, uh, our communities a service, the people in our cities, the people in our church, um, 2020 is not ancient times. So let's, uh, let's take that, that promise that God has given to all, to every age range. And, um, let's couple that with our cognitive stages in life and present the gospel, um, to our kids, uh, and to our youth, to our young adults, and our adults. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. That was that was great. Uh, and you know, tailing into that, so so what are some of the ways that you you know divide uh, a youth group? Because you have you have kids that are twelve years old that are just you know they're still like little kids, you know, they're still known to cry uncontrollably every now and then, sure. uh, you know, when the ball is stolen at recess or whatever. Uh, and then you have 16 and 17 year olds who are driving, who are working jobs, you know, why? So how, how do you divide, um, those, those people? And then also why is it important, uh, to make some sort of division in a youth group in age? Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great question. And, um, this just came to mind. Uh, it's, it's not not in my notes, but yeah. um, you know, Jesus uh, himself he had crowds of thousands. Mm-hmm. He had, if you look in the scriptures, it says he had you know hundreds of disciples, you know people that would follow him regularly. Yeah. Uh, but keep keep going down 
Who did Jesus invest in? What was that number on a daily, weekly basis? It was 12. Um, So if Jesus chose to to invest in 12, I think there's something to that. And um, I would say a lot of our churches, uh, just to to step into this uh, talking point, um, you're going to have kids middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults that probably, not in all cases, but probably numerically is more than 12. Mm. Well, if Jesus showed us and chose to have a weekly impact into just 12 lives, if he didn't go more than 12, who am I to think that, well, I can invest in more than 12 people. Um, So... uh, just to insert that, um, in, yeah. in, in a youth ministry um, alone, if you're getting to more than 12, you really need to look into bringing on someone to help you, uh, you know, yeah. be a youth worker. Um, and really, and now let's, let's take this further. He had 12, but Jesus even had an inner circle. Right. He really, really only invested in three in that way. Right. So, I mean, that takes it even more. You know, if if you have 12 in your youth group, you might want three other youth workers to help you uh, go into that deep investment, you know. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so so breaking up a youth ministry uh, age wise in your church, um, what we have done and, and there's probably no perfect answer to this. Um, it's all context and, and cities and, and culture and all that. Um, what we do, it used to be church culture um, that the you probably remember these days, Aaron, that um, school system was almost the enemy. Sports, well, they take our kids out of our youth events and they can't come to church because they're playing soccer or basketball, whatever, you know, it was the enemy. Uh, that's I don't know if that's a fight worth fighting anymore. Um, so we, we, we really need to school. The school system is a part of, of life. Yeah. Um, our students are in the school system. So what we do, um, we try to mirror the school system. So our Sunday school age and classes are set up to mimic our elementary schools. So our Sunday school at our local church is K through five. Then um, when you go into sixth grade, which is our the start of our middle school here in Ohio, um, you uh, you go into the youth group. So and then and then it, the the most natural, probably what everyone does, at least for a uh, uh, high school, is you've got that huge like the biggest graduation in life is, is high school. So once you graduate out of high school for us, you graduate out of the youth, youth uh, group. Uh, now locally, we do have a separate young adult ministry. Um, some youth pastors are going to be, uh, uh, pastoring, um, like sixth grade to bachelor degree, kind of 12 to 24 year olds. And that works. You just got to have the right team set in, in place. Um, so I, I would, I would say you're going to have the best rhythm of of uh, weekly programming and um, and fall events, springtime events, summer 
winter if you are um, teaming up, so to say, with the school systems, age range, event schedules, all that. I would say don't fight it, um, but embrace it. And and um, I, I might have some talking points later of, of some things you can do. Sure. But um, sure. yeah, join yeah. join forces yeah. with it. Yeah. Awesome. That's that's really good. Um, you know, uh, to, to to just delineate that 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 difference and really not fight the system, but you know, uh, try to get alongside of it and influence um, it and use you know these natural divisions of ages that have sprung up through um, you know years of and decades really of 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 being, you know, schools used to be a one-room schoolhouse where an 18-year-old and a 5-year-old would be in the, the, the same building and, you know, to where we're at uh, uh, today. And I'm sure that these efforts are helping, you know, these kids um, feel more a part of the larger body by being in a smaller age-appropriate group. Mm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, just in general now, uh, another question, like what, what are some, uh, things that young people are looking for in a youth group and more importantly in a church? Like I know being relevant is a, uh, almost a bad connotation because we want to be culturally relevant while maintaining, uh, biblical relevance. We have to maintain biblical relevance. And I think there's a thought that we can't have, uh, we can't have both. And, um, you know, we we can't give ourselves over to both. But what would be, what what are some of the things that a young person today, just in general, that's in church and even out of church, that's that's coming from a, a church background and a not church background, are looking for in a youth group, and even more importantly, getting them involved in the body and the larger church movement. What what are what, what do you think some of those things are? For sure, yeah, great question. Um, this. Uh, this thought just hit me earlier this week, and um, I haven't um, I haven't studied it out all that. It's not even in my notes for today, but I will say this because it, it kind of dovetails yeah. into it. I think, and maybe this is just an American uh, problem, but uh, or unpopular opinion. I think you can have a successful youth ministry without being on social media. Hmm. And it's something I have to think more about because, uh, and, and during quarantine, that's when I've really learned this because you know, Aaron, the past five years, like if you're not on social media, you're not going to make it, you know, it's, yeah. we've got to be where our students are. And, and I, I totally agree with a lot of that, but, um, that it's not even the main form of communication with our students, with our parents, with our what that's it's a different topic for, for another day. But the reason I no, say yeah, that yeah. is um, what are what are young people looking for? It's not that. Mm. It's not it's not great graphics and videos and Instagram and and what we're doing on Facebook. What they're looking for is community. Hmm. inclusion acceptance they're looking for love and that's where your term of biblical relevance is at the forefront they are looking uh for love 